Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Unlimited. Today, we are talking about fantastic emotions and where to find them. (laughs) And yes, I am a nerd. No, we are not going to be talking about Harry Potter. I use this as just a fun little analogy because so often we experience our emotions and other people's emotions kind of like fantastic beasts. Whether they are magical unicorn beasts that we would like more of in our life, or whether they are dangerous hydras that we do not want to encounter. However we experience them, the big challenge is that we aren't taught to understand our emotions. And while there is a great deal more conversation around emotions, especially for parents because of the idea of supporting emotional intelligence in children... When I looked on Instagram to see, like, what are people talking about? Almost all of the things that popped up, not all of them, but a lot of them were for parents related to children. And the reason why that's coming up is because most of us as adults didn't learn this. This wasn't something that was commonly taught. And so that lack of understanding can make them feel elusive, not because they aren't there, but because we don't have the language to express them. Now, if you're looking at any of the things that come up when you look up emotional intelligence or emotional awareness or anything like that, you will find a lot of definitions of emotions, how to communicate emotions, how to express emotions. So that's what we're going to talk about in this episode is mostly identifying the emotions, where to find the emotions, not again, because they aren't there, but because we don't know how to express them well. It's not something that comes very naturally because we haven't been taught, that hasn't been part of our cultural dynamic to communicate about emotions, whether it is through words or through our bodies or anything like that. So what happens when we don't have a way of communicating, we don't have a language, and I do want to emphasize, as I just said, it's not necessarily about words, it's about communication some sort of language to communicate and understand each other related to emotions. Instead, we have this like, don't have emotions, right? Like those are too much. Those are not good or whatever. Like there's just a lot of like, oh, you're too emotional in this society because of dominant power structures. We're not going to go into that, but just acknowledging it. But when we don't have a language, It becomes intangible. We don't have a way of communicating about it either to ourselves internally to understand it, to see it, to articulate it, let alone in a way that it can be communicated to other people and articulated in a way that is understandable to other people. So we have this disconnect. And then, especially since we live in a society that's dominated by judgment versus curiosity, We don't really ask questions about it. That disconnect gets exacerbated because instead of asking questions, we make assumptions. And if you listened to my episode, Break Free from Assumptions and Misaligned Rules, I talk a lot about those dynamics of assumptions. And they apply even more strongly here when we don't have a language to understand our own emotions or communicate them to others. Because what happens is it leads us to second guess ourselves when They are not the same when someone else has an emotion that doesn't relate to our understanding because that assumption is that everyone experiences life and their emotions the way I do in these contexts, just like, you know, everybody has the same values that I do, which obviously isn't true, but the experience of it is not the same. And when emotions are at play, it's different than the cognition around it. 
So we second guess ourselves and that makes other people's emotional experiences, especially when they're different from ours, feel threatening. We discount our emotions. We discount others' emotions. We focus on trying to control emotions versus caring for them. Like I talked about in my last episode on deep self-care to shift habits. So all of these are really important reasons why we need to understand how to find our emotions and bring them forward and articulate them. And then the next episode, I'm going to talk about what to do with them once you found them. So we're going to touch a little bit on that in this episode just because we can't help it, but we're going to dig more into it in the next episode just so you know you can keep your ear open for that. So some of what we are going to talk about in this episode include emotional intelligence versus emotional awareness versus emotional literacy, expanding emotional awareness, developing your emotional language, understanding emotional expression, noticing trigger patterns, and separating experience from identity. We've got a lot to cover, obviously, in this episode. So without further ado, let's get started. Hey there, I'm Valerie Friedlander, Certified Life Business Alignment Coach, and this is Unlimited. This podcast bridges the individual and the societal, scientific and spiritual, positive and negative, nerdy and no, there's just a lot of nerdy. (laughs) Come on board and let's unlock a life that's as badass as you are. Let's start with some terminology that tends to come up when we're talking about emotions and understanding emotions. The first one that is most common is emotional intelligence. And when I typed emotional intelligence definition into my DuckDuckGo browser, what it pulled up was the definition by the American Heritage Dictionary, which says intelligence regarding the emotions, especially in the ability to monitor one's own or other's emotions, or the ability, capacity, or skill to perceive, assess, and manage the emotions of oneself, of others, and of groups. Then I typed emotional awareness into the browser, and it didn't actually pull up any dictionary definitions or common dictionary definitions, which I thought was interesting. I think emotional intelligence is often used a lot more, but I've not been a very big fan of utilizing that terminology. And the main reason is because when we are dealing with emotional intelligence and understanding emotions, the idea of intelligence can often be an emotional trigger (laughs) because we live in a society that's dominated by fixed mindset, which means, oh, if you're not intelligent, then you're stupid. And that's triggering because nobody wants to be stupid. Now that gets into a whole nother thing about identity and stuff that we're going to touch on later. But I did want to bring that forward as one of the reasons why I don't tend to like to use the term emotional intelligence, because some of the people who most need the support and work around emotional understanding are triggered by the terminology of emotional intelligence. So when I did dig into emotional awareness, I found a site that I appreciated how it kind of articulated the emotional awareness piece. And it is eqi.org. I'll have links in the show notes to all of this stuff as usual. What that site said is the definition of emotional awareness is knowing when feelings are present in ourselves and others. 
It also said this is closely related to emotional literacy, which means being able to label feelings with specific feeling words. We're definitely going to talk about specific feeling words and the use of them and some of them just as a support because having words is really helpful. That said, not all feelings initially get expressed or easily get expressed verbally. And this is true both in kids, but also in adults. Not all of us articulate emotions in the same way. And especially if there's any kind of neurodivergence, that can be particularly challenging. I was actually talking with my younger son who said to me that he has emotions about stuff, but it just doesn't seem worth it to try and find the words to say what the feelings are, which I thought was really interesting. Now, he's eight. So one, I was kind of impressed with the fact that he was able to even say that much. (laughs) And also, that acknowledgement was really helpful And I was actually talking with a friend about it. And she's like, oh my gosh, yes, that's exactly how I feel. It's like, I know I have a feeling, but trying to figure out the word is like just one too many things to do when I'm having a feeling. Both of them tend to express feelings through their body. There's a need to process physically, which is one way that I will often look at how one processes something like stress. If you've done my stress release quiz, then you will have seen that that's one of the dynamics that I talk about, the way of processing stress emotionally, intellectually, physically, spiritually, that there are different ways that we process stress and emotions are related to that. So the different ways that we process relate to the different ways that we communicate and the different ways that we can understand both ourselves and other people. The EQI site also breaks down the levels of emotional awareness, which I thought was really useful. The first level is knowing that there is a feeling. And as I mentioned, in this society, we don't give a lot of space to feelings. We don't value them in the structures and systems of our society. We actually, in a lot of cases, devalue them. It's only recently have we started to recognize that there might be some value here. So even just knowing that there's a feeling, the site uses the example of like, say someone comes into a room that you're in, noticing that they are in the room, that there is someone else in the room. And that's kind of the way it is with an emotion. If you notice, oh, there's something going on here. And it's not even so much like you have to go, oh, it's this feeling. That's later, right? It's first, oh, there's something happening here. Hmm. So finding your emotions basically starts with noticing. Giving space to notice is one of the first things that I often will encourage is like give space to notice. You don't have to understand it. You don't even have to define it. Just notice what's going on. And oftentimes, because our brains and bodies talk to each other constantly, what our bodies are picking up from our environment, sensorily, energetically, whatever, 
then feeds to the brain, and the brain then puts it into buckets and goes, oh, this is what's going on. Release these hormones. These are the hormones that are appropriate for whatever's going on. And sometimes it goes through the frontal cortex, but more often than not, it's going to go through your limbic system, your autopilot. So like your conscious part versus your autopilot, depending on whatever the trigger is. So just knowing there's a thing versus telling a story automatically. Now, of course, the story may happen automatically just because, again, conditioning, habits of thought, all that fun stuff. But when you can at least give space to notice, that will make a huge difference because you kind of interrupt the chain reaction, as it were. So noticing, hey, there's a feeling here. There's a vibration in my body. There's a a sense I'm having. Then acknowledging the feeling. Oh, hi. How's it going? I see you. Not labeling it, not defining it, not putting a language to it, words to it. It's just like, oh, hey. Like, again, with the example that they're using, someone comes into the room, you notice that they're there, and then you turn and go, hi. Now, maybe it's someone you don't like, and you're like, maybe it's someone you're excited to see, and you're like, yay, whatever. We're not there yet. (laughs) So it's like really slowing down this process which again, can be hard to do in the moment. The process is likely just going to unfold. And if you can give the space to observe, this is where mindfulness comes in, give the space to observe that there's a thing happening and it's emotions. (laughs) I know I'm saying this like really weird, but it's still, I don't know, sometimes bringing humor to it I find can make it a little bit more, I don't know, interesting, less heavy, more engaging, less scary, whatever, to show up to this dynamic. So, hey, there's a feeling. Hi, feeling. Then identifying the feeling, giving it a name. And so this is where we tap into having words for the feeling. And it doesn't have to be standard words. It could be other words. Whatever works for you. But having a language, having words, even if words don't fit for you, maybe it's a maybe it's an acknowledgement of a movement, right? There's a body movement, there's a thing happening. For me personally, I do like words. I find that naming things has power. It's one of the reasons I'm a word nerd, right? I like to give things names and understand what I'm saying because there's power in words. Words are symbols that articulate something both to ourselves and to other people. I often think of the book by Madeleine Langle, A Wind in the Door, which is the sequel to A Wrinkle in Time, if you're familiar with that, where the power is in naming. And I love how that book explores the understanding of the importance of a name. And a lot of cultures have that as something that is important, that is valued. So naming your feelings. Again, it could be English words, or maybe there are words in other languages. There's an expression. Maybe there's a movement that goes with that if words are not fitting for you. Sometimes emotions are so big, there just isn't the word for it. Or maybe it's just, I don't have time to pull out my thesaurus, right? (laughs) 
The EQI website does have a feelings list, which they say is the world's longest list of feeling words or emotion words or words that describe feelings. I also will often use one that is from the Center for Nonviolent Communication. And I'll share some of the words that come up. Now, the Center for Nonviolent Communication will break down the words for words that are used when needs are met and words that may be used when needs are not met. Most of the people that I work with have their basic needs met. So we'll often talk in terms of values, when values are honored versus when values are threatened. I talk a lot about values and how they relate in the episode Shift from Drained to Motivated. So if you want to understand some of the dynamics of honored values versus threatened values, check out that episode. I do think it is is important to have words to describe the emotions that we enjoy having as much as the emotions that we may not enjoy having as much because, again, being able to name it gives power to you in engaging it and to be able to show up to that and expand it. As you've probably heard me say before, and you may have heard other places, where your focus goes, your energy flows. So when you can give focus such as through the power of words or expression to those feelings that you like having, you can welcome them in more. Some of the words on this list are open-hearted, warm, engaged, absorbed, engrossed, intrigued, spellbound, stimulated, encouraged, proud, safe, secure, aroused, astonished, dazzled, energetic, enthusiastic, giddy, invigorated, appreciative, moved, inspired, awed, delighted, jubilant, tickled, pleased, exhilarated, ecstatic, enthralled, rapturous, clear-headed, content, equanimous, fulfilled, mellow, relieved, tranquil, trusting, rejuvenated, restored, revived. Those are some of the feelings in that more enjoyable space when your values are feeling honored. Some of the words that the Center for Nonviolent Communication lists when your values or your needs are threatened, apprehensive, mistrustful, petrified, wary, aggravated, dismayed, exasperated, irked, incensed, indignant, livid, horrified, repulsed, ambivalent, bewildered, dazed, hesitant, mystified, perplexed, alienated, indifferent, numb, withdrawn, turbulent, perturbed, rattled, startled, chagrined, mortified, self-conscious, depleted, listless, worn out, bereaved, devastated, heartbroken, remorseful, dejected, despondent, discouraged, disheartened, melancholy, wretched, tense, distraught, edgy, jittery, vulnerable, guarded, fragile, leery, shaky, envious, wistful, nostalgic. Those are some of the words, and I intentionally picked words to share that might be ones that we don't often think of, just to kind of give you a range of ideas of things that are out there for you to utilize that may speak more to your condition than other words. Oftentimes we go to the most used word, but sometimes we're experiencing something a little bit different. And so, hey, go to Google, pull up a thesaurus, 
go look at ways to express what you're trying to say and not necessarily say to somebody else, but say to yourself to acknowledge you and what's going on inside of you. So going back to those levels of emotional awareness, knowing that there's a feeling, acknowledging the feeling, identifying the feeling with that name, and then accepting the feeling. You don't have to like the feeling and it's still there. It still exists. Not accepting the feeling is one way that we perpetuate the feeling, that we disempower ourselves in the engagement that we have with the feeling and whatever triggered that feeling. Acceptance doesn't mean saying that whatever is happening or whatever triggered the feeling is okay or acceptable. It's that the feeling that it triggered is accepted because that feeling is inside of you. So when you're like, I don't accept that feeling, in some ways you're rejecting a part of yourself. Not to say that the feeling is part of your identity, which is another place where we get confused, where we conflate, I have this feeling, therefore I am. It's simply accepting that this has come up for you, that this is the experience of the situation that you're having. It's not even saying that this experience that you're having is based in a real thing. It's simply, again, saying that this is your experience. The more you can accept your experience, the more room you have to accept other people's experience, which is really important for healthy communication and connecting in a way that allows us to move forward versus just that shoving it away and saying, no, that can't be it because I don't feel it that way. Or no, that can't be it because I don't want to feel it that way, which is what we'll do to ourselves, which is a core component of where we second guess ourselves and feel threatened by feelings and by other people's feelings. So that work of accepting the feeling is really key. The next layers that this website articulates are reflecting on the feeling and forecasting the feeling, which is often an automatic process. Typically, we think of reflecting on the feeling as aspects of rumination, which I talked about in the last episode, deep self-care to shift habits. And the forecasting the feelings, we often will do behaviorally without awareness of the feelings because our brains like patterns. And so they go, oh, this happens. It doesn't feel good. I don't like it. We want to do this instead. We want to avoid this. And the behavior is what we tend to see in ourselves as well as in other people because it's that automatic thing without the awareness around the emotions that are happening underneath. So I'm a little tentative with those two just because the reflection part, the productive reflection part needs to come first before we start getting into how we think about forecasting feelings. And we're going to talk about that more in the next episode about what to do with those fantastic feelings. But I do want to acknowledge all of these levels. So we've gone over kind of where we need to be here, which is knowing that there's a feeling, acknowledging the feeling, and identifying the feeling. Another piece to this that relates to the identifying the feeling, or actually that whole package of acknowledging, knowing, acknowledging, identifying, is understanding emotional expression. Because again, most of us haven't learned how to understand our emotions, how to engage our emotions. 
It's fairly new to be something that is validated in our society. So there's a lot of us parents who are working to do this in ourselves and pass this down to our kids so that they have a different experience when it comes to emotions. But unfortunately, we tend to lead by example. And so we're still in the thick of that shift societally. And there's still a lot of people who aren't looking at the value of that work. If you are, you may be in more of a bubble of people who are doing that. And it's important to know that that's still a bubble. So sorry to uh, burst your bubble there. (laughs) That said, it is really important to have people around you that are doing that work to support your doing that work. I do a lot of work around emotional understanding and emotional expression. I actually created a quiz that if you've been listening for a while, you may have come across. I talk about it in the Understanding Your Stress Language episode that's fairly early in the beginning episodes of the podcast, where I created a quiz that helps you understand your stress language in these four different aspects. It's a free quiz. You don't have to sign up for anything. You can go take it. I also have a little worksheet that breaks down those four expressions of emotion, or I say stress, but it's an emotional expression that break it down both for how that shows up for you, but also how it shows up for other people. Because just like with love languages, it's really easy, as I mentioned before, to make assumptions that other people express and or experience emotions the same way that we do. And that's just not the case. We often have different expressions, just like my son and my friend who express through their body. They need space to express physically before they can come to the cognitive component of like naming it, for example. It's almost like the difference, as I think about it, between how one acknowledges a feeling. So knowing the feelings there, acknowledging the feeling, and it could be like a wave, like you acknowledge through waving, you acknowledge through words, hey, you acknowledge through getting up and shaking hands. It's a different way of processing that there's a feeling there and it needs to move. I've loved the articulation of an emotion as E-motion. So E stands for energy in science and motion. So energy in motion. So when we have a feeling, it's moving. It comes into us and it moves through us and it moves out of us, unless we hold on to it because we aren't willing to acknowledge it. (laughs) And in which case it goes in and then it just stays there. And we might not be experiencing it, but it goes into that filter that I mentioned where it feeds the forecasting and informing our behavior without our awareness, which means that we have less power of choice in interactions, especially when triggered. So knowing how you engage an emotion, how you articulate it, express it, as well as having words for it is really helpful. That worksheet is free on my site and the quiz is free on my site. So you can go grab it. I'll have links in the show notes. It relates to also why sometimes when people give you self-care activities to do, like when you're triggered and upset or stressed out or having big feelings or whatever, it doesn't actually fit for you because you may process these things differently than they do. 
So whether you need a self-love activity, whether you need someone to acknowledge and honor your feelings, whether you need to connect and move to your body, whether you need to consider other perspectives first, because there are multiple ways that we process and there's a cycle to processing, but which one do you need to start with is different for different people. So go check that out if you haven't yet. The other two things I'm going to leave you with in this episode, before we get to the next episode of like what to do with the feelings, because I don't want to just like leave you hanging. (laughs) Like go notice and feel your feelings and give them big hugs. Like, okay, cool. But like, (laughs) then what? I have to wait. Depending on when you're listening to this, maybe you don't have to wait. You can go right there. But notice the trigger patterns. So again, brains like patterns. So when you're noticing that there's an emotion here, acknowledging the emotion and identifying the emotion, throw in a little bit of noticing what triggered the emotion. And again, this also goes for the things that you feel happy about, that you want more of, as much as the things that you want less of. Because when you can notice what works for you, you can look to bring more of it in. I just had a client who was feeling excited about one aspect of what's happening in her life and it felt like it was taking over. And we looked at the other aspects and how that one that felt like it was taking over in a way that she liked, you know, she's excited about it, was impacting the other areas. And the awareness was that, oh, well, it's taking over because what are the conditions that are creating the excitement in this space aren't present in the other ones. So then we were able to pull in some of those similar conditions to expand her enthusiasm for the area that she felt like was getting neglected and she wanted to give more energy to. So when you know what works, you can bring more of it in. So noticing the trigger patterns, noticing what's going on. This is not the same as saying, well, this is truth. This is the way it is. This is who I am. We do need to do some work around separating experience from identity. You know, the whole, I made a mistake. I am a mistake. You can have feelings without being your feelings is another obstacle to accepting the feelings is like, oh, well, what does that mean about me? No, we're taking the meaning making out. And we will talk more about that in the next episode too. I just want to highlight those things because those can be both obstacles and opportunities within this process of acknowledging and expanding your awareness around your emotions. This is something that I often pull in when we're talking about goals and practical applications of achieving the things that you want to achieve, having less of what you don't want, and building a life that's in alignment with who you are. This plays a key role in all of that, building the career, building the personal life, the relationships, everything, because this is a fundamental part of you and your experience of life. So it's something I do a lot of work around. If this is something that you feel like may be blocking you from achieving goals that you want or that is creating a self-sabotage or disconnect in relationships, reach out because this may be an area that needs a little nurturing to be able to help you move forward out of the st- 
stuck space, out of the overwhelm space, to creating what you want in life. And that is what I'm here for. So if that's something that you are looking for, grab a spot on my calendar for a free consult and we can chat about how I can support you if we're a good fit to work together and all that fun stuff. So (laughs) go check that out and stay tuned for the next episode where we talk about fantastic emotions and what to do with them. (laughs) If you found this helpful, go share it with a friend. And I will talk to you all next time. Thanks for listening. I so appreciate you being here. If you got something out of today's episode, please share it. Leave me a review, take a screenshot and post it on social with a shout out to me. Send it to a friend or, you know, all of the above. Want to hang out more? Join me on Instagram. Or better yet, get on my mailing list to make sure you don't miss out on anything. And remember, your possibilities are as unlimited as you are. Allow yourself to shine, my friend. The world needs your light. See you next time.